Hear now the words of St. Paul as recorded in Ephesians chapter 3, and I begin reading at verse 14 to the end of the chapter. Portions of this are on page 7 in your bulletin today. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is going to be altogether different. It's not a conversational. (laughs) But I wanted to stand here symbolically, and I hope that'll be clear. I want to use this space for a couple different reasons. For one, as Michelle said, being my sixth anniversary, and because I'm a numbers geek, I started on July 26, 2009. Seems a special anniversary indeed. And so I wanted to do something for the church. Y'all are always doing things for me for anniversaries, and so I wanted to do something. Unfortunately, I always joke with people who give me things in the church, like have built me something. I'm like, well, I can't build you something. Or I've cut my hair. I can't cut your hair in return. Um, so I've said, you know, I could preach you a sermon. But nobody's ever taken me up on that offer (laughs) (laughs) to write and deliver a sermon, much less preach it. But as I was living in the words and the prayer of Ephesians earlier in the week, I, I really began to think, well, the one sort of the world in which I live is, is prayer and words and ideas. So I thought it would be most appropriate to write a poem, a prayer to Providence Baptist Church, a prayer of gratitude, which is exactly what Paul is doing in this portion of Ephesians. Interestingly, I preached on this text exactly six years ago. It wasn't a poem. (laughs) I tried my best to explicate and exegete and 
And you just, you just can't do that with this text in the same way. So, I will be, at the end of this sermon, I will be delivering this poem. But I want to say the second space for this sermon time is for you. And at the end of my prayer, I want you to notice that in your worship guide on page 7, there's space for you to add your words, your spirit, to this great poem to God. Now, you'll notice there's pens have been added to your pews, so there are pens as well. So I'm going to leave a little bit of space at the end of the sermon time during the Reflect and Respond for you to actually write, reflect, and let the Spirit move. In the end, I hope you will hear my deepest prayer through this for Providence. I've summed it up in nine words. To be taken over by the love of Christ. If you haven't heard anything I've said for six years, that's okay. If you don't hear anything else for however many years, I hope you will hear to be taken over by the love of Christ. That would be enough. But I will, lest you come away not thinking you heard a sermon, heaven forbid, I do want to say a few background words on this text and put it in context a little bit. One commentator, George Stroop, has helped me here. And he helped me to see that this part in Ephesians, we've been going through, for visitors especially, we've been going through Ephesians. And we'll be doing so to the end of August. And this chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, is the hinge piece between the first three chapters and the last three chapters. So it's sort of the, the open door, if you will, the hinge between chapters 1 and 3 and 4, 5, and 6. And I love it because, as Paul does in these first three chapters, he's densely theological. As you all talked about at Free For All a couple weeks ago, the first ch- chapter 1 was 200 and how many words? A bunch. Over 200 words, no punctuation. One sentence. And he, he loves this, these theological statements that are a lot to chew on. And we, we did a little bit of that last week. But the last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, are all about what our response is to all that God has done. So chapters 1 through through 3, what God has done. Chapters 4 through 6, what we do in response. And I love, in very overt ways, Paul is saying, you cannot separate theology from ethics. So very important. And in the same way, in all that he's doing in chapters 1 through 3, talking about the worship and the prayer and this God who has moved us from death to life and from sin to grace, this worshipful peace, can't be separated at all from discipleship. Worship can't be separated from discipleship, theology, from ethics. And so I think that's a great way to sort of stand into today's text in that hinge place. And there's something else going on today as well. Paul is lifting up a mystery. And we talked about free-for-all, how none of us like to stand in mystery very long. But I love that Paul tries. 
I love this language. He says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so you may be filled with the fullness of God. Apparently, knowing this love of Christ surpasses knowledge, which makes me say to Paul, then how can we even know it? You're, you're speaking in, out of both sides of your mouth. George Stroop again helped me here. He says, The writer doesn't believe this mystery that evokes prayer and worship can be discovered or known. It can only be received, made known by revelation. This seems to be true, for Paul keeps saying, if you're going to be strengthened, for example, in your inner being, it doesn't come from you. He says, it comes with the power through the Spirit. As Merlin said at Free For All, love surpasses knowledge. Herb said, Well, that's the problem. (laughs) Knowledge is it for us. We quest knowledge most. And so no wonder we struggle in our attempts to know the love of Christ. Perhaps we're using the wrong faculty to know. Kathleen said, love not only surpasses knowledge, but imagination. For he says, we can't even imagine this love that's broader and wider and deeper and higher. This grace that Paul keeps talking about as well. And then Stroop says this, and this is, of course, what really got my attention. He says, the normal kind of knowledge that we talk about makes us the subject of the knowing. So when we say, I know you, I know God, I know love, I know this piece of music. That literally makes I grammatically the subject of the sentence. I am the one in the position of the knowing. And this is where we fall short to receive the love of God. For he says, it happens when we receive, when it is revealed to be known. At Free For All, Glenda said, too, we use the language a lot about being lost in the church. But how often do we feel found, she said. And this really seems to be Paul's message that love is revealed through Christ, wooed, and we are to receive and be found through revelation. I love one of my favorite theologians, Reinhold Niebuhr, which many of you know, he wrote the Serenity Prayer, um, great theologian in this last century. He wrote this, In Revelation, I am not the one who knows, but the one who is known. I am not the one who knows, but the one who is known. And Paul seems to make it clear that using our reason faculties won't help to understand this love of God. And philosopher Immanuel Kant said virtually the same thing. He says, if there are limits to what reason can know, then whatever is beyond those limits 
cannot be known by reason. I'll say that again. If there are limits to what reason can know, then whatever is beyond those limits cannot be known by reason. See, now you know why I read a poem. <laughs> this is deep. Thanks be to God, we are given more than reason to know something. The language of the heart, the cries of the spirit, deep calls to deep. There are ways to know and receive the love of Christ. The truth is, though, though we are called just to receive, this is an active process on our part. Artie made this point really clear and wonderfully, as she said, at Free For All. We have to receive the love of Christ. It's like if you were at a feast and there was a table with the healthiest food in front of you. But if you don't eat it, it does you no good. Christ has to be ingested, she said. So for me, the week, this week, the challenge was ingesting Christ, receiving Christ. Not through reason, but through another way. And since Ephesians 3 is a prayer, I thought it most appropriate to speak in the same genre that Paul is speaking to us in prayer form. And so, I want to land you into the context of where this gift came. Where do you think I was lying? In the hammock, indeed. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I remembered something I'd heard at a recent conference where John Philip Newell talked about that translators are now giving even a deeper translation to John 1.1, which has always been sort of mysterious. In the beginning was Logos, which scholars have debated, what in the world is Logos? So um, our best attempts, and most of your Bibles will say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. But according to Newell, as he was talking, he said, Now, some others are saying, in the beginning was the sound, and the sound was God. And I love this, and as I was lying in my hammock, I found out that sound has a knowledge all its own. And so the sounds began to speak, and I new love. So here it goes. In the beginning was the sound, the vibration, the rhythm of life held by this netted body beneath me, held by love. Earth's sounds surround, the caw of the crow, 
the whistle of the chickadee. Another morning visitor whooshes by. And I hear the secret of her speed, the rush of wings. The cicadas rub and rise to forte and finish their love song in a quiet pianissimo. Enfolded by verdant green and variant vibrations, I am full. My vocal vibration adds clumsily to this song. I could sing of your love forever. 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 In the beginning was the sound, the vibration, the rhythm of life and love. Moving in and out of all things. The spirit, not so much making love, but infusing love that was and is there in the beginning. I am buzzed. Buzzed by the vibrations of nature. The roping still under me, but less like heldness now and more like oneness suspended through time and space no distinction between what is holding me and me the fullness of god suddenly a new sound mechanical not of this earth's my buzz is lost sobering i see a tiny plane above me with tiny people in it. An interruption to sanctuary sound, but isn't that life? Unknown sounds pulse all through. Some sadly undetected supersonic sounds. What could they reveal? If only we had ears to hear. And with all of these good vibrations, <laughs> I'm tempted to believe there might be bad ones. But who's to say these interruptive sounds don't carry the tune of love? For love is in all places and spaces between all notes, sung and unsung. The cicada chorus is reaching its crescendo now. Louder and louder, but not loud enough to drown out the sound of my most recent visitor, a squirrel of the gray variety. But I welcome him, too. I can't be racist. 
The squirrel begins purring. Purring? I've never noticed that vibration before in this song. I welcome this descant. And now acorns begin falling and the occasional leaf leaving. They drop like staccato notes beside me, leaving their place to fall. Falling into land, to be held again, to be one. Maybe falling isn't so bad. The squirrel leaps. Earthy matter is displaced by his forceful bound. It falls too. It's time now. Kairos time. To not lie, but stand. Leaving heldness, but maybe not oneness. But my swollen belly plays its trick on me. Where is my center? Where is my gravitas? I fall now too. But I'm not afraid anymore. I am now closer to the earth than I ever was. And I hear a new sound. The womb of the earth. A vibration that goes deeper and wider and longer and higher than any song I've ever known. It's the sound from the beginning. It is love. I am in love.